You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here, to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we'll get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? On this episode, Kathy Niebuyer is on to tell us about her experience bikepacking in a multi-day event called the Huracan 300. The Huracan 300 Challenge is the ultimate off-road endurance experience in the state of Florida. The route features over 100 miles of single track, many remote miles of double track forest roads, and even abandoned paths. As Kathy will tell us, this part of Florida is definitely not flat. Kathy and her team completed this event in about four days and experienced about every kind of terrain you can imagine. You can learn more about the Huracan 300 along with a bunch of other Florida bikepacking events at singletracksamurai.com. Here's Kathy. Well, I would like to welcome Kathy Niebauer to the show. Hi, Kathy. Hello, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's very rare to meet someone that has the same first name as me. Yeah, I, I usually get a lot of, um, especially because I'm Kathy with the C. I get a lot of, oh, that's my great grandmother's name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is an old name, but most people call me by my last name, so a lot of people don't even know that my first name is Kathy. Everyone calls me Murph. <laughs> well, it's definitely more unique than uh, than Kathy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> Kathy is on the show today because I discovered you when I was reading an article in bikepacking.com. And so I reached out to you and was like, please come on the podcast. And you said yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the topic yeah. is, um, well, I already spoiled it because I said bikepacking.com, but you <laughs> completed an epic ultra endurance bikepacking event called the Huracan 300. Did I say that right? Yes, yes Huracan. Okay, Huracan 300. So I'm sure there are listeners out there that don't even know what the Huracan 300 is. So I want to talk about the event and your experience um, because the article was was really, really cool. But before we get into that, do you want to tell the listeners maybe like where you are, what kind of biking you do? Sure. Um, so I'm over in, in Florida, lived in Florida my entire life, uh, sort of central Florida, Tampa area. So not quite your Disney uh, crowd, mm -hmm. but uh, further towards the Gulf Coast. And I am a mom of two boys, a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old, mm. and I sort of was just a very clumsy, not really athletic person pretty much my entire life. Um, I did swim team in high school. That was mostly because I had to. Uh, <laughs> and after my oldest was born in um, 2012, I quit my job, became a stay-at-home mom, and basically was looking for something to fill my time with. Mm -hmm. And my husband had done triathlons when we were in college. And I suddenly got the bug that I was going to start running. And then I realized, well, I'm running and I already know swimming from high school. So mm -hmm. why don't I start biking? And um, it's sort of funny 
in the family because when I was growing up, I was always crashing my bike, falling off, just notoriously clumsy. For some reason, when I started again, you know, like 2013, 2014, it just clicked and I just became an avid cyclist. Um, I wouldn't say it was any good, (laughs) but I started really enjoying it and doing um, some Olympic triathlons and then you know, sort of got tired of road riding and then went into mountain biking and discovered ultra uh, trail running and mountain biking. And then sort of over the beginning of the pandemic, my husband and I started watching the Ryan Van Duzer videos. Oh, sure. And um, we were like, we've got to do this. Um, (laughs) And so we started bike packing. I love it. And that's actually kind of a common story when I interview people where, you know, they maybe not the whole running and swimming part, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, you you kind of start out road biking and you like it. But then a lot of people are getting away from being on the roads with, you know, distracted drivers and just the stress of being on the road and finding adventure in bikepacking. So that's a it's a great story. And I'm so glad as an adult that you are not the clumsy kid that you were, right? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you know, I still trip and fall. Do not get me wrong. Um, (laughs) But uh, I'm definitely better on uh, my crash ratio to miles now as an adult. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Well, and that's a good segue. Let's get into like the nitty gritty of Huracan 300. Mm -hmm. Um, First off, like, why did you even decide to register for a three, I'm assuming it's 300 mile bikepacking? So that's the insult to injury. It is actually 364 this year. Ooh. Um, (laughs) He just started calling it the Huracan 300. And as the race grew and developed over the past 13 years, he just kept it the name 300, even though it's gotten longer. So we decided to sign up because we had done a longer bikepacking race um, in January of uh, 22, so last year, called the Spanish 520, um, which was, the Spanish 520 was a bikepacking event that my husband had found out about and is run by the same uh, guy, the single track samurai, uh, Carlos. And at the time, we didn't really understand what it was, and we signed up, and it was eight days of going from one side of the flo- of Florida to the other. Oh, wow. Um, from Fort DeSoto to St. Augustine, um, following sort of the Spanish Indian trail, you know, roughly. And it was intense. It was a life-changing experience. And I can't believe we chose that as our first event. <laughs> so, well, eight days of past- like single track or just off-road is, that's intense. Yeah. It was wild. (laughs) Um, But it really set me up for this feeling like, well, we did that. How hard could something else be? Um, (laughs) Because we've already experienced quite possibly the hardest thing that I'll ever do in my life. Uh, When Carlos opened up registration for the Huracan 300, you know, that's sort of the most famous bikepacking race here in Florida. Everybody who's, you know, bikepacking mountain bikers, you know, everybody knows it or has heard of it or knows someone who did it. And we're like, it's a no brainer. We've got to try this. Right. Yeah. And so by we, I should uh, clarify, it's my husband and I, and then also our close friends, um, Mark and Jody, another husband, wife couple. And we have been doing these, uh, 
races all together sort of as a team of four. Okay. Which is. And when you say a team of four, you still mean you guys are each doing all 364 miles each. Yes, correct. So it's just that, you know, normally in one of these kinds of bikepacking events, you know, you're not supposed to take aid from another rider oh, sure. or draft or things like that. But, you know, my husband carries the tent. I carry the sleeping bags and the food. And, you know, I make the accommodations at the different campgrounds and the four of us will stay at them. Yeah. Um, and we just sort of stick together and get through obstacles as a as a team of four. Yeah. And <laughs> and the um, the mental side of things, you guys keep e- each other entertained and motivated Absolutely. And it really, it really helps us go along. (laughs) (laughs) And you said that Huracan 300 takes place in Florida, right? Yes. So it starts in Ocala, which is where the Santos Bike Park is located. Um, And it's, I think, the longest bike park, uh, mountain bike single track in Florida. It's huge. Oh, okay. You know, over 50 miles of single track. And it's part of the Cross Florida Greenway. So it's really a a good place to start um, something like that. And then we go in just a big loop around Central Florida and then come right back up to to Santos. Wow. How many people do this event? Um, I think it was around 100 people. Okay. Um, I know that when I looked at track leaders there's about 88 people registered but not everybody does it or there's teams or whatever so it was a it was a pretty good amount um you know i think he caps it around 100 okay. participants yeah and when you say you know you were looking at uh the tracker does that mean it's a race or is it a ride um it's sort of split down the middle <laughs> so there are some people who they come out to the start and you saw these see these guys who had Two water bottles oh, and maybe an emergency bivy. Oh and my that's gosh! <laughs> and and you know they're paying the parking attendant at the campground, saying, "I'll be back in two days." <sighs> wow. Um, or you know, I think the record is someone finished it in twenty-seven or twenty-eight hours. You know, which is just wild when you consider the terrain that you're going through. Right. Um. So those those guys are definitely racing. They're you know sleeping for thirty minutes at a time. We did a party pace ride. Um, we slept every night. We took luxurious lunch breaks. Um, we rode at a nice, easy pace um, and just had fun with it. Which anybody who listens to this podcast knows that that is my jam, man. Party pace. <laughs> like, A, it, you know, the the name says it alone. You know, you're having fun. But when you're racing, at least for me in my mindset – you don't really get the chance to like look around and see the beauty, you know, of wherever you are. Instead, you're just like focused on, you know, staying upright and getting to the end as fast as possible. Absolutely. And there's so much beautiful um, scenery to see and enjoy in Florida that to just pedal grind through it would be a shame. Yeah. So you said um, when you did the Spanish 520 that that took you around, I don't, I think you said eight days, right? Yeah, eight days. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then Huracan 300 in 64 miles is... Um, <laughs> yes, 64, don't forget it. <laughs> yes, I know. That's, that's a lot when you're mentally preparing for 300. But um, 
you said you're camping each night. So how long were you out there? Um, we did it in uh, four days. Okay. So we did, I think the first day we did a little shorter because it was a really heavy single track day. So I think we did um, like a 75, 90, 95, 90 day, you know, wow. split up like that. Which ended up being more because, you know, you detour to stores and mm-hmm. and whatnot. I think our third day or a second day ended up being over 100 miles, which I had never done before. Nice. I had never done a, I had never done a century and I did it during this, <laughs> this event. <laughs> Carrying all that weight plus you're on like sketchy terrain. Like, congratulations. That's, yeah. that's huge. Um, <laughs> w- will you describe the terrain? You know, I'm, I'm assuming that it's probably a little bit different, maybe by the hour. But give us a general idea of what it was like out there. Yeah. So one of the things that Carlos says is that as soon as you get used to the terrain in the Huracan, it changes. So it is a lot of single track. Um, I think someone said there was over a hundred miles of single track oh. of varying difficulty. Um, and Florida single track is, um, you would think that it's all flat, but because a lot of these parks are built in like old phosphate mines and things like that, there is actually a lot of really punchy, quick elevation mm. changes, a lot of rocks, a lot of roots. Um, and then we did a lot of like, uh, grassy double track, um, country roads that are in various states of disrepair, mm-hmm. sand, just unbelievable amounts of unrideable sugar sand for miles, swamp, river crossings, um, just a clay, limestone, hills. There are hills in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> you found them, right? And least. I think he took us on every single one. <laughs> right. Wow, that's a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, you never get bored. Wow. And um, what, like, describe your bike. I'm assuming that you had bigger tires if you're on a single track. Were you on, like, a mountain bike? So I was on a rigid um, bike. I had a, uh, have a Surly Ogre. Okay. With, and I had... 29 uh 29er wheels and my tires are continental cross kings so they were 2.6 inch with um some maloco bars and um i it definitely helped me in the sandy parts Mm -hmm. um because i could roll for a lot longer than my husband who had a little bit of thinner tires was having to really worked to stay upright in the sand and I was able to sail through some parts that um, my team, my teammates were struggling a little more on. So that made me feel good, but on the pavement, then the 2.6 giant balloon tires, (laughs) right. Slowed you down. (laughs) Right. So it was a give and take. So, okay. So let's talk about some of that sketchy stuff. Like, I mean, sand is kind of, uh, you, you, if it gets deep enough, you're walking it anyway. But like mm-hmm. when you're thinking about some of those sketchy, like single track or, um, you know, the punchy climbs, do you have a strategy? Because for me, I feel like a lot of that is as much mental as it is physical. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it, I would, and like you said, mental, I would walk if I was hesitant. Whereas maybe if I was just out on my full suspension mountain bike for a little 20 mile ride and I knew I was getting in my car and going home to my house at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. I would have been more adventurous. 
on some of the features on the single track. But um, if I came around a corner and I saw a descent with that had an immediate climb out that I was not comfortable with, I just got off and walked. Sure. Because sure. I felt like today is not the day to crash in the middle of nowhere <laughs> on my super heavy bike with no suspension. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, obviously I tried to ride as long as I could, but um, after falling a couple times in mud that I thought that I could ride or sand that I thought I could ride, it was just easier to just push your bike for a little bit yeah. than to crash and hurt myself, damage my bike, and then be stopped even longer. Sure. Yes, I agree. And um, there is nothing wrong with walking a bike. I mean, we... Uh, I've interviewed Ryan Van Duzer a couple times, mm-hmm. and you know anybody who watches his videos, well, A, he does beyond epic, cool adventures, mm-hmm. but he he's pushed his bike many, many, many miles. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, Hurricane, Hurricane 364. Um, mm-hmm. Any favorite moments? Like, I'm sure you have plenty of favorite moments, but tell us a little bit. Oh, I, so the ones that stick out to me, one is the river crossing. It's sort of the most famous part of the race is everyone talks about the Wakaiva river crossing and it sort of gets built up as this like really difficult part of the race. Mm. And I loved it. Um, cause you approach it on this like old ghost trail, Um, I think it's called the challenge trail actually where you are riding through this um, like saw palmetto and you can barely see the trail in front of you. You're just like trusting the person in front of you knows where they're going and they're following the line on their GPS. And, you know, you're just going through this, that this terrain that feels like you're the first human to be there in decades. Wow. And, you know, then you pop out on this beautiful spring-fed river. And we were lucky that it was a very hot Florida day, despite being February, that the water felt amazing. I almost wanted to go back in and take a swim. (laughs) Because, (laughs) you know, it was just a beautiful, just beautiful spring-fed river. We actually saw a canoeer while we were there. And he was very startled to see bikers carrying their bikes overhead across (laughs) where he was paddling. Um, so that was definitely a highlight, um, as well as the east track of the Green Swamp, which is just this gigantic um, swamp area, sort of at the southern point of the race. And I think we did something like 60 or 70 miles in there. Oh, wow. And it was just a wild, unexplored kind of place where you truly felt like you were in the middle of nowhere which is hard to, to attain in, you know, suburban Florida. Um, and just seeing like rusted out cars and buses that are left over from something, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of these woods, just beautiful, just the trees and the lakes and the swamps that you're, that you're going through. You're just like, you could never reach this by car or by foot. The only way to get here is to be on your bike. And wow. that was just really, wow. really special. So in this span of four days, were you ever in a, like a town or a village that you could 
restock your food and water or were you kind of on your own the whole time? No, we were going through restocks pretty frequently um, because, again, that's the beauty of Florida is that you can go through, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles of state forest and then you pop out and there's a town on the other side. Okay, okay, good. Um, Yeah, so we had, um, you know, usually some days there was only one or two restock chances, but other days we were going, you know, every 20 miles there's another Circle K or Dollar General Mm -hmm. or somewhere to get a cold drink and a snack. So it wasn't too bad. Awesome. Okay, so you describe you know, hills and swamps and, you know, river crossings, like anything that truly like just beat you up, like, oh my gosh, I can't, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I think for me, from what you've described, it probably would be the sand, like, ugh. But anyway, what's yours? A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. So I have two really big ones. For me, it was the elevation of um, the highest point in Florida is Sugarloaf Mountain. And I know that to other people in more mountainous parts of the country, it's not going to sound like too much, but it is about 312 feet with like a 10 to 14% grade as you climb. And so for me, who I train in a place called Flatwoods, where there is maybe 20 feet of elevation change over 10 miles. (laughs) And you said Um, you've been in Florida your whole life, right? You grew up? Yes. Okay, so you're used to flat. Yes. The the most elevation I get sort of close by to my house is the uh, interstate overpass. Oh, okay. Um, So for me, this like 300-foot climb with, you know, 10% grade, 14% grade was super demoralizing. Mm. Um, And we hit it at night. It was like nine or 10 o'clock at night. So, you know, thankfully it was sort of a country road. It wasn't very trafficked at that time at night, but it was, I was pushing my bike on almost every single hill. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that was at the end of the hundred mile day. And I just didn't have any, any gas left in the tank. (laughs) So, um, there was, there was a time at one point that I looked at my husband who was very kindly pushing his bike next to me, even though he could have ridden it. And I was like, could we call an Uber to take us (laughs) to the hotel? Like, is that, is that cheating? And he's like, just keep on pushing. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And to add insult to injury that day, um, I had booked us a hotel only a mile off the route um, that evening. I failed to look up the elevation profile. Oh, no. To realize that it, the hotel was at the top of the third highest peak that we would do that day. Oh. At about, a, about 240 miles or 240 feet over that last mile stretch to the hotel. And that's after a very so, long day. After a very long day. I think we pulled into the hotel at 11.55. Oh. Um, 
though, because we were like, ah, we did it in one day still. Um, So that was definitely a time I just wanted to throw in the towel. Sure. Um, And the other one would be the single track. Um, I'm not a very strong mountain biker. I enjoy it. Um, But I'm not out there doing you know, super gnarly, uh, difficult jump trails. I don't know how to jump. I don't do, Mm -hmm. you know, super sketchy, uh, features. I just like to go out and ride my bike and have a nice time (laughs) without hurting myself. I know exactly that. Yeah. (laughs) So having to go on some of these, you know, blue trails that for other people, maybe they'd be like, Oh, a blue trail. That's no problem. Well, for someone who's not already a super confident rider on a blue trail on a full suspension to then be on a loaded down rigid bike, that was definitely um, a mind game for me mm-hmm. uh, in the crew, uh, in the crew mountain bike part. Um, we were on day four, uh, maybe 80 miles away from the finish line. So, you know, you have that end goal in your mind. And I think we were in this Kroom mountain bike park for 25 miles of single trail. And it was, you know, off your bike, pushing over a feature you're not comfortable with, getting back on the bike, keeping on going. And I think that was another time that I was just ready to quit. Um, Just between the proximity to the end And just the unending single track (laughs) just got to me. Sure. Physical and mental. Like, ugh. Yeah. I, a couple, actually it was in 2020, I was part of a a kind of a, uh, let's, we'll we'll just call it a bikepacking event. And we were in Mm -hmm. the San Juan Mountains and it was the exact same thing where it was just like sketchy features that I would never even try on an unloaded bike, much less with all Mm -hmm. my stuff on there. And then a lot of the guys that were with us were like, Oh my God, I want to go do that again. I want to jump off that. And I'm just like (laughs) almost crying. Like, Oh my God, what am I doing? (laughs) Um, Did you experience any mishaps as far as like, I don't know, wildlife or mechanical issues? Our funniest mishap is that we did set off the hotel fire alarm. Oh, (laughs) um, drying our socks after the river crossing because we were using the hairdryer and um, I guess my wool socks over the hairdryer um, was not a good combination. So we oh, did no. set that off at approximately like 5 a.m. Did the sprinklers? I hope the sprinklers didn't start. They did not come okay. on, but that was my fear. Yes. It was. I was like on the phone with the hotel panicking because we were like we don't need the sprinklers to come on and then they find out we've packed this hotel room oh with dirty bikes. Muddy bikes <laughs> and uh how did you explain that like i i was drying my socks and they started well, we smoking. just said we were using the hair dryer oh perfect yes perfect <laughs> we didn't ex- we we were using it um and so we they told us how to turn it off and it was it ended it was fine but I did have some shame walking out of the hotel later um, <laughs> at the Continental Breakfast. I was like, yes, it was us. It was me. <laughs> hey, good morning, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the noise. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've done 
you know, probably many, but two like extremely epic endurance bikepacking adventures. Uh, any like pro tips that you would want to pass along? Like I'm thinking of maybe must bring items or I, you know, I ate this and it made me feel really energetic or any pro tips? A quick interruption to give a shout out to Primal Wear. Cycling is their passion and apparel is their craft. So if you're in the market for a new jersey, bibs, mask, or any cycling apparel, go to primalwear.com and use code PRIMALMURPH to get 20% off your purchase. Yes, 20% off. Now back to the show. Yeah. So for me, with my experience of being in Florida, my biggest thing is to wear UV protective clothing. So when I go out, I'm wearing a full long sleeve hoodie uh, UV shirt. Um, and I pull the hood up underneath my helmet. And I always use um, like sunscreen sticks to reapply in my face. Mm -hmm. um, because the last thing you want is to get a sunburn while you're out in the middle of uh, an event. And I find that the hoodie actually, you know, this, the UV hoodies actually help me stay cooler. Oh, nice. Um, my second thing is water shoes. We always bring water shoes as our camp shoes because when you do a river crossing or you are going through mud or something, it's usually just mud and water. <laughs> you want to be able to change out of your bike shoes so you're mm -hmm. not squishing in sticky mud um, for the rest of the ride. And that was actually something I neglected to do on day three. We were super close to the hotel and all of a sudden we got to maybe a half a mile stretch of just disgusting, sticky, smelly mud. Ooh. And it was dark and everything always is worse after dark. We were on this road that was like graveyard road into dark stretch road. We were hearing, hearing dogs howling, things rustling in the woods. My imagination is going wild. <laughs> and so the idea of stopping to change out of our shoes was just a no-go to me. Right. Um, and so we traipsed through this awful mud in our bike shoes. And then my feet were muddy and disgusting and my shoes were ruined oh. for the right you know for the the rest of the ride and then the next morning when I put those shoes back on guess what they were still cold and oh, wet and muddy that's the worst feeling too is wet shoes yeah, so Ugh. so change bring water shoes and use them <laughs> right well this like is just such a like you know, with, with only 100 people doing it each year, I mean, you're you're a very small percent of, you know, Florida residents or just people in general that have done this. And, you know, it's surprising. A lot of people came from far away. There was a lot of people from out of state who had heard about it and decided to come and try what Florida had to offer. Um and it actually was funny to me because I think it, you know, has gotten built up as a, as a very difficult event, which don't get me wrong. It definitely yeah. is difficult. But, you know, we were talking to some guys um, on day one, I think, who didn't know where they were going that night, didn't realize how, you know, 
difficult the terrain was, didn't know when the next, you know, opportunity for water restock was. And I'm like, just because you're here, you hear that it's Florida. It doesn't mean that it's flat and that it's going to be Mickey Mouse and palm trees. Yeah. Like this is, <laughs> you know, this is the real deal. You really have to be prepared because some of these places are, are truly wild. And if you're not, if you're not prepared for it, it'll, you'll pay for it. <laughs> right. And uh, I can only imagine how weather could change the dynamic of the entire event. Oh, absolutely. We got extremely lucky that we had mild temperatures. Um, I think it got down to the fifties or sixties at night and it stayed in the seventies and eighties during the day. Oh, nice. It wasn't a hundred degree Florida day. It wasn't super humid. It didn't rain, which last year, um, we didn't do the hurricane last year, but we had heard that it rained and it was cold and, you know, people again, just weren't prepared for Florida mm -hmm. to be rainy and, and cold and miserable. Wow. Well, congrats to you and your team for completing it. It's just awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Any advice you'd give to somebody who's maybe, you know, listened to this podcast and were like, I wonder if I could do the Huracan? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is to just do it. Obviously, you need to be prepared. But, you know, I'm not a super athlete. I am a plus-sized stay-at-home mom who is not very fast in her bike, but I've trained and can ride for a long time, even if it's, you know, only 10 miles an hour. And you just, you just got to stop thinking about doing it and just do it. And Love that's it. the only way that you're going to learn. Yeah. And would you describe this event kind of like type two fun where there's probably times <laughs> in the day where you're like, what am I doing? But then once you get home and showered and, you know, get a good night's sleep, are you like, oh my God, I want to do it again? Absolutely. While I was doing it, I was thinking about how I never want to do uh, <laughs> Sugarloaf Mountain again. I never want to ride in Santos again. I never want to ride in the Green Swamp again. This is all miserable. And when I got home and started, you know, journaling um, about the ride and writing down my thoughts, I was like, oh, man. Okay, so next year, <laughs> yeah, when we do this go. again... <laughs> and that really was fun when <laughs> I fell over in the sand. <laughs> when I was crying, now I look back and it was very funny. <laughs> Although I will say this time I did not cry. Okay. That was my, I was very proud of myself. I have cried behind many a Circle K dumpster and Taco <laughs> Bell while eating a chalupa on a bike packing ride. But that was the big milestone that we were joking about. It was like, I didn't cry the whole time. So <laughs> that's awesome. I guess that's some personal growth for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any other bikepacking adventures on the horizon? Hopefully, yes. So my friend Jody and I, who I did the Huracan with, um, she and I want to do the Cross Florida Individual Time Trial, which is um, another uh, single track samurai mm. event put on by Carlos. And it is just a more straightforward Cross Florida ride. I think it's about 
260, 290 miles. And she and I want to do that as a um, two-woman team without our husband. Okay. So that'll be a fun test, not having them to carry our bikes uh, when they we have to throw them over a fence yeah. or something like that. So I've been getting to the gym. I'm like, I have to work on my squat so I can carry my fully loaded bike. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, we'll have to make sure uh, we'll put in the show notes, um, you know, more information about Huracan 300. But also, hopefully everyone will go to bikepacking.com and just read, you know, more about your adventure and your story because it's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Kathy. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. And good luck with your next adventure. Thank you. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit both my Facebook and Instagram pages for daily entertainment. I have more great episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Morphology Podcast listener. 